Hey True Crime Friends, I'm Danny and I'm Brenna and this is Lago Stories. Today's episode contains graphic information that some listeners may find disturbing. Listener's discretion is advised. Hey Bryn, welcome back. I will say it feels pretty good to be an even number. I can divide, subtract, and it all comes back to work out equally. Well, I prefer to be odd. I so. know. <laughs> That's like such our personalities. I'm crazy organized and just want everything to match and be perfect. Like a, I want the like odd. Yeah. Such OCD. We'll here. have to switch. Yeah. <laughs> it's done. Maybe next season. Let's, let's draw straws. <laughs> but I did want to circle back on... The fact that we decided to kind of, quote unquote, dedicate our cases this month to the recent changes in Roe versus Wade and kind of what that sets the tone for us going forward. I think it's really important that we educate ourselves beyond the main issue and get really granular with our topics and our conversation to make sure everyone is fully aware of what's going on and not only is there a large issue at hand but also a lot of micro issues that are being ignored and not addressed that causing a lot of issues for women specifically that's not being spoken to. Yeah I absolutely agree. I think the main issue obviously the huge change is big enough but not everybody realizes that there are these small changes that are going to affect many many more people than just on the main issue as well. Yeah, and I think to your point of the big issue of taking it back to the states instead of it being an overarching law or protection or however you identify that is interesting because as I go through this story today, I'll bring up things that will make things a lot more convoluted the way we're processing things now versus how it was just a couple months ago. Mm -hmm. And... It's really interesting to see how much confusion and manipulation is done when that was in place and how if we don't start to address things and look at things a little differently, how now that that's taken away from state to state, everything can vary, how much more confusing and how many more people can manipulate it for what they want instead of what's actually right and just. Well, now you're scaring me even more, (laughs) so thank you. You're welcome, girl. Okay, so the stories I'm going to tell you today will come with a little trigger warning. Today's cases will deal with a topic that is obviously very close to home for everyone here in the U.S. with the recent updates of Roe vs. Wade and how that changes abortion rights within this country. So with that, please note today's episodes will be around the topics of abortion Today, I will share several different stories of outcomes for women who the law was supposed to protect ended up working against them that resulted in a gross miscarriage of justice. With that, let's get started with Chelsea Becker. On November 9th, 2019, Chelsea's world would forever be changed as she was being charged with, quote, murder of her unborn baby, end quote. And I did want to note that this quote came directly from the media's portrait of Chelsea This continued by using other descriptive words like quote-unquote troubled and quote the search was on end quote as they told her story. I think how the media portrays stories is so important to note 
because it really shows how people will rally behind or I guess not with this portrayal. I do think Chelsea's background carried a lot of weight on how the media portrayed her, but I'll let you decide for yourself, Brenna. Yeah, I agree. We kind of touched on the subject of the media and those, you know, catchy titles like the clickbaits mm-hmm. in season one, but I'm interested to see how it affects this case. Yeah, for sure. Now, Chelsea grew up 200 miles northwest of Los Angeles, where unemployment was over twice the rate of the average person living in California, and over 15% of them living in or below poverty. With options limited around them, drugs, and more specifically, meth, was very prevalent and available to sell and for use. Amber, do you think that there were services to assist these individuals that lived in these areas with drug rehabilitation or healthcare services? Absolutely not. You are 100% right. They are very limited to aid any individual, if that, in these situations. I will stand on my little soapbox here and express my frustrations with this practice. So many people still think drug addiction is the choice of the person, and that is simply untrue. That thought process comes with a stigma that they're doing it to themselves, so why even help? Well, I'm here to tell you today that that process is why so many people struggle with drug addictions. Yes, the choice is theirs the first time they decide to use, but after that, it is taken away from them and it cannot be taken back without proper help or support. Any drug, especially drugs like meth, change the chemical imbalance in your brain. Think of it as like a head injury. No one in their right mind would go around and say to others, that I'm not going to help you because you got caused your head injury. So why do we do this with people struggling with addiction? Girl, we can go on and on about this. I also think it's crazy that we haven't gotten nearly as far as we should be. Yes, they're trying to now or in the last couple of years. I don't know about after COVID, but like with the safe needles and stuff mm-hmm. like Elise are trying some things, but the main majority of people I think would be like, oh, well, you can just stop using drugs. Obviously, like, you don't have the money to use drugs, so why are you using drugs? But it's way, way deeper than that. And you can also go into the self-medication portion where especially if it's a heavy drug like meth or anything with, like, hallucinogens or anything like that, that's going to take away all of their current struggles which in the most part are a lot you know like Mm -hmm. you're already talking about poverty especially for women there's going to be sexual abuse there's going to be trauma maybe even present or in the past there's so many other things and i can only assume that that drug takes that all away from them for at least i don't know an hour a couple hours oh yeah no and i mean i think even just to the point of you can stop whenever you want actually a lot of people if they are deeply embedded in addiction or dependence on things if they stop it it can actually kill them Mm -hmm. so understanding how to get out of that situation and the proper rehabilitation to get back to a more you sense of being of what you were before drugs is really important and it's not just a you can stop so fix it type of situation for sure. Well Chelsea struggled with addiction from time to time and as a result would battle with homelessness. One of these times is when she would give birth to her stillborn son. On September 9th 2019 
Chelsea was uncontrollably bleeding and was rushed to the Adventist Health Hanford Hospital, a faith-based hospital, and within two hours she lost her child. He would have been her fourth, and she had already picked out a name for him. The hospital staff told Chelsea's mother her son had passed before they had told her. That is so sad. Yeah. Do we know how he died? So I'll get into that a little bit later, but she did have a stillborn birth. And just with that statement alone, I want to go back and let everyone know and reiterate to everyone that is listening that any woman that becomes pregnant, there are so many things that could go wrong during pregnancy. So it's really hard to say, I mean, you could be doing all the right things and still have something very traumatic happen to you during your pregnancy or the birthing process. So I do want to note that it could have been a multiple of things. It could have been one single thing, but no one is ever really certain because there's just not enough technology to know exactly what triggers things like that because it's so complex and complicated on our end based on the technology we currently have. Well, I mean, we still don't know, like, SIDS. Mm -hmm. Exactly, and that's why there is something called SIDS, because it's just unexplainable. No one really knows what happened, and it just unfortunately happens sometimes. And she was homeless during um, this time? Yeah, she was battling addiction at this time. I don't know how in-depth in the process she was. Like I had mentioned, she was on and off. So I know at some times she was cycling out and then sometimes she'd be sucked back in. But at this time she was battling addiction, but she was also homeless as well. She did have three other kids at the time and she was very excited for this fourth child. She had already picked out a name and was trying to figure out her situation to make her baby born into this world in a different circumstance than what she was currently living in. Gotcha. Okay, and this next part I just found horrific. It was not until the next morning Chelsea found out that the hospital staff took her baby from her and just left him on the table next to her for hours. And I can't do it, so Brenna, I asked you to read the quote that I gave you on her description of what she felt was happening. Sure. Quote, that image of me lying in the hospital bed with my deceased son left on a table, seemingly abandoned, is an image I will never forget. End quote. Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, when I saw that, I was just distraught. I mean, I couldn't... Any person in any situation regardless of what their background is, what they're doing, no one deserves that treatment, period. I don't care if you want to sit here and say that she deserved that or she didn't. At the end of the day, no human being or no person should have to go through what she went through. It just disgusted me to no end for sure. What would even be the reason for that? I'm I'm really, like, that's what I don't understand. Like, it was a faith-based hospital, so you would think that they would have some more care and cross with what they were doing, but... They well, s- we've done enough stories <laughs> in religion to know better. <laughs> but, it, I mean, I was just shocked that they just left him there. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of... And I mean, I can maybe understand, like, if they were, like, short-staffed and they were, like, caring for her, and then they just... Well, I'll get into that too because I'm not really sure what they were doing. Okay, okay. But I mean, it just, 
upsets me to no end that they treated this unborn baby this way and how they treated her to get to this next process it the two do not make sense you can't do one without the other and think that that's okay yeah another question really quick was the baby full term or i'm not sure how far along she was in the pregnancy i wasn't really focused on that portion of that as i was going through this as more of her results Mm -hmm. on what happened in the next stages but i mean regardless it's still yeah just not okay. But I'm I'm pretty sure that it was more further along than early. The hospital staff called the police after taking the baby from Chelsea. The police report stated that the hospital called police after a quote-unquote suspicious stillbirth. Now, there is conflicting reports whether or not she took a drug test at that time, but I would be interested to see if that was in the police report. As you know, we're not always privy to everything that is listed within the police report, but I think that would definitely be in there if it was true. Yeah. Also, I'm sorry, I would like to know what actions or state she was in when she arrived at the hospital or even during her stay that the hospital staff was like, so sorry, I know you're bleeding uncontrollably, but I'm pretty sure you're on drugs, so I think we need to conduct a drug yeah, test first. no. But I'll stop there and let you go. <laughs> I mean, I can see them wanting to run a drug test just to see if they were going to treat her properly, if there was any medicines that would, like, interact with drugs and stuff like Mm -hmm. that, but I wouldn't think it would be the first thing to do, let alone, like, you're going to do life-saving treatment first, no matter what. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. And I'm not a medical professional, and I don't know kind of what's policy, what's not, especially, I know, each state is different on kind of how they conduct things. But it's just interesting to note there was no drug test, at least to our knowledge, that was reported in the police report. And I would assume, I mean, I've never been rushed to the ER and they're like, hey, before we do anything, we got to do a drug test. (laughs) So I'm not really sure how that even connected the dots for my interest. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. But I mean, again, there's two sides and I will understand that, but... At the end of the day, the information I have, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I'm curious to see, like, what they thought suspicious stillbirth. Yeah, and it's interesting that the police report mentioned suspicious but didn't mention anything else. Yeah. Or at least you would think to our knowledge. Like, what kind of evidence? Exactly. Like, what does suspicious mean? And you know people are going to ask that. So it's not like, you're going to get those questions, you might as well let us know. Yeah. Chelsea agreed to meet with police who would question her about her drug use and ultimately decided that she should be charged with murder. The King County DA, Keith Pagundis, is one of the only prosecutors in California that has filed charges for women who have had a stillbirth in the last three decades. But it gets worse. This is not his only one recently. Just the year before, he had charged Adora Perez for murder after she delivered her stillborn at the same hospital, with alleged notions that her meth use had caused the loss of her baby. So this is sounding very familiar to my case from last week. So I'm not, maybe I'm jumping ahead, but what is the law in California? Because we find out in Texas that you can't, the woman can't be held responsible. Oh girl, we're going to get there. This man... I don't know what's wrong with him. Someone needs to pray for him for sure. Mm. During Chelsea's time in jail, she lost custody of all of her children. 
One of her sons was adopted and the other two went with relatives. This really hit me home as I have three younger sisters and it just broke my heart to hear that they all couldn't stay together. Yeah. Chelsea was prosecuted under section 187 of the California Penal Code, which defines murder as, quote, the unlawful killing of a human being or fetus with malice aforethought, end quote. I cannot reiterate this enough. The word fetus was added to the definition in 1970 after a man attacked a pregnant woman, resulting in a stillbirth. But this law does not apply to the, quote, mother of the fetus, end quote. And it was only intended to prosecute, quote, a third party willful assist on a pregnant woman, end quote. Her lawyer argued that Chelsea could not be charged with Section 187, but Fungundus and the police officers investigating Chelsea's case, and I say case with air quotes, because come on, y'all, mentioned that some women should just be prosecuted for stillbirths. Oh my god. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay, so that's the California law? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought California was so much more progressive. So that is actually really funny that you say that. I left that. Oh, especially around LA. Yeah. And this is also in 2020, 2021. Yeah. Like yesterday. She lost the baby in 2019. Yeah. So it's funny that you said that. I left it out of my initial conversation, but people were literally like, how is this such a progressive and liberal place to live and we still are conducting processes like these yeah with this man i'm pretty sure after roe v wade california is one of the states that will protect a woman's right to choose so like what exactly i mean considering he's one of or i'm not i'm not even one of he is the only person that has persecuted women in three decades yeah for Silvers, like I'm not sure why he still has a job. So the only thing I can think of, and I'm not sh- sure exactly what it's called, but it's like, oh yeah, Skid Row is that oh, yeah. on LA? Yeah, like, it around is. LA. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the only thing that I can think of is like, you know, I picture this like judgy old ugly nurse, like oh she came from Skid Row and she killed her baby, you know, like that kind of prejudice. Thinking that, I mean, there is a homeless issue in LA Mm -hmm. so I think maybe that's kind of where that came from yeah and I get a little bit more into it later on and we might as well address it now since we're talking about it but I think it's really important to kind of circle back how the media portrayed both of these women not only Chelsea but Adora that they both came from poverty, struggled with addiction. To what extent, we don't even know. It's just, mm-hmm. they're addicts, they're baby murderers, they should go to jail. Which, to me, causes a lot of chain reactions for their lifestyles. Well, not to mention their babies. Like, mm-hmm. her kids couldn't even stay together. How do you think that trauma is going to affect them oh, later I mean, on it, in it life? It affected gonna, multiple people. Yeah, yeah, like the criminal justice system... It's supposed to work for, like, victims and their families, but really, like, it's going to make it worse. Yeah, and I think it's really important to touch on those people that are not the all-American, picket-white fence, 
wholesome young woman that everyone quote unquote thinks is yeah, the everyday but it's person. Nineteen fifties. Yeah, that's <laughs> not real life, and anything and anyone can be turned into something that is not attractive in the media's eyes, yeah. which is gets much more headlines than anything else. Which it's sad and unfortunate, but this is why things like this happen because. I don't like how this woman portrays her life, so I'm going to change her life by throwing her in jail or taking away her children or doing X, Y, Z. And I think it's really important for people to keep that in the forefront because those policies and changes that you're advocating and voting for are not going to hold through for every person in that circle. Yeah. If If you think there is any hesitation that it can be manipulated or perverted, to change just because you don't like a background or what a person does for a living or how they dress or present themselves, that it will. Mm-hmm. Point blank simple. Well, and I always am curious about their childhood, and I know it's not really have anything to do with this case, but I used to like binge watch intervention <laughs> with my brother when we were younger. And I would always like try and guess and it like 8.5 times out of 10, it's like a sexual assault or like some big trauma in their childhood. Mm-hmm. And if I were to assume that that was Chelsea's case, I bet you that that man that did that to her when she was younger or, you know, during that time that made her or led her up to that addiction did not even get a slap on the wrist. Oh, And it's disgusting that she is now being held responsible for nothing that she did wrong technically. Yeah. No, and I agree. And I know, at least for Chelsea's case, she kind of grew up in that environment. And whether she kind of had initial trauma or not, she really did because she grew up in an environment that she had no control on. You don't you don't have any control on what environment you're born into. Mm-hmm. You can change your outcomes on the way, but it also is much more difficult to get to a certain point when you are presented with something else. Yeah. And I do know for Adora's case, there was a lot of abuse sexually and physically there was also, she was in the same environment as Chelsea. So not only was she around addiction, but she was also severely abused and then resulted in these same outcomes because the same DA and the same hospital did the same thing to them back to back, like not even a year apart. Yeah. And nobody was like, hey, that doesn't look right. Yeah, it's disgusting. Yeah. Meanless to say, Chelsea's case was dismissed in May of 2021. And just to circle back to Adora Perez, she spent four years behind bars before her case was dismissed. Adora was facing the possibility of life in prison before accepting a plea deal. I don't think Adora would have been released if it was not for Mary McNamara, an attorney who looked at her case and knew something was wrong. She was quoted saying, There has been no cases where any woman was successfully prosecuted in California as a result of her pregnancy outcome, end quote. And this perplexed DA Keith. Bren, would you mind reading the quote from him for his explanation on this issue? I guess so. (laughs) Quote, That if the father of a fetus can kill a fetus, why can't the mother of a fetus be responsible for killing a fetus, end quote. He was also quoted saying, quote, that law did not go into effect to protect the mother of the fetus at all. It went into effect to protect the fetus and give the fetus rights, end quote. This man. (laughs) 
but you don't know that's the the main issue you're assuming that she killed it and if you, if i go back to when the fetus was added to the murder for california it was knowingly with like harmful intent correct yes so uh, how are you going to prove all of that regardless i mean both of their cases were dismissed but it's disgusting they he probably knew granted he was probably trying to convict and get somebody like precedent on record but he's still messing up their entire lives if she had to spend four years behind bars mm-hmm. chelsea like it's it's enough to just get them charged oh i'm so i'm very mad <laughs> yeah it's that thought process i can't i just can't even touch it because it just when you're a freaking man like shut up well just the fact that he's like a father if a father can kill a fetus why can't a mother what about men's rights (laughs) shut up (laughs) so ridiculous so thank goodness for women like mary she was a firm believer that if this law held any woman could be thrown in jail for any action that caused her fetus harm think about it what about a pregnant woman that drove a truck or was a delivery person or literally just walking across the street each of these actions could be manipulated into a woman causing her fetus harm in this thought process of the da keith yeah that's exactly the first thought of my mind it was like walking down the street is we could cause you harm. Mm-hmm. And to emphasize it even more, what if these women did not have a picture-perfect background or were not the media's perfect picture of an image of how a woman should be or should act? Each of these things are uncontrollable and would play a large part in their outcome if they found themselves in these same situations. Okay. Well, that's the first two. We got two more. (laughs) So hold on, girl. (laughs) I would now like to discuss the mistreatment of then 21-year-old Brittany Pula, a Native American woman from Oklahoma. In January of 2020, Brittany was seeking medical treatment at a local hospital as she was concerned of some of her symptoms as she was four months pregnant. She admitted to the medical personnel that she had been in possession and used illegal drugs while pregnant. She would ultimately suffer a miscarriage and would be arrested and jailed for first-degree manslaughter of her unborn son. Please note, the medical examiner was unable to determine the cause of the miscarriage and mentioned that it could be a multitude of things. The irony of all of this is that it happened in October, which happens to be National Pregnancy and Infancy Loss Awareness Month. Ember, and I was just curious if you knew the numbers and what those look like for those who suffer from miscarriages. I know it's got to be a pretty high percentage. I would say at least 60 to 75 percent. Yeah, you're pretty close. One in four women suffer a miscarriage. Now, we mentioned stats a lot, but this one really shocked me. That's extremely high, and this is probably why the medical examiner was not able to determine why Brittany had a miscarriage, as they are much more prevalent than you think, and there are many more factors, as well as substance abuse, that can end with the same results. And the scary thing is, with this, is that there has been over 1,600 cases similar to Brittany's, being sentenced for things like falling down the stairs, 
having at-home births, as well as drug use. And I worry more and more women will suffer with this practice of the law or lie when seeking treatment that could have alternate effects of their medical plans. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely terrifying because, I mean, this was before the overturn and we're giving it back to states' hands now. But obviously, there's men like our last two DAs that have an alternate agenda that want to control the outcome of a woman's life. And it's just sickening that 1,600 cases, like, it blows my mind. Yeah, and I think that number was really important for me to include because I know people are really easy to say, well, that just happened one time, or that just happened then, or that just happened years ago. No. There's 1,600 cases, and this literally, the one I am speaking about, happened two years ago. Yeah. Like, I don't understand if you cannot wrap your mind around that. Yeah. Brittany was ultimately sentenced to four years in prison. Now, Bryn, here's the kicker. If these three women who wanted their babies had an abortion, they would have never been charged. Now, please tell me how this law is protecting anyone. You can go to jail for having a miscarriage that is completely out of your control, but abortion is okay. There is also no unity or structure within this law made from state to state. I have so many questions and I don't know if he'll be able to answer them, but how was she convicted? Was Did she plead guilty? So in Oklahoma, there's a lot of kind of gray area. There's about <sighs> 26 states that can convict women for taking illegal drugs while pregnant. It's a big gray area because like I had mentioned before, there's a lot of reasons why you can have a miscarriage. A lot of people assume that drug addiction or drug use while pregnant can terminate a baby, Mm -hmm. but there are also babies that come full term and then struggle with addiction afterwards, but they still survive. Mm -hmm. So it is a huge, big gray area right then and there. She did admit willingly and openly to her medical staff that she did. Yeah, but we can go into like the whole HIPAA, like in my last, and ugh. Yes. But because it is a state that looks at that as an illegal activity, that is why she was ultimately charged. But again, we can circle back to have that the medical examiner did not ultimately yeah. rule out how the So baby that's why passed. I'm curious, like, how did a jury, if it was, like, 12 people, how did they agree? And was she charged and sentenced to murder? Like, what was the... So it was aggravated manslaughter. But <sighs> if you want me to paint you a picture... <laughs> I can paint it to you this way. What do you think an Oklahoma jury will look as a Native American woman <laughs> who admitted true. she was addicted to drugs and That's her baby true. was lost during the process? But it's like, <laughs> I want to have so much faith in the criminal justice <laughs> You want system. to. You want to. I really do. But it is always taken back. <laughs> because it's like beyond a reasonable doubt. There is no reasonable doubt with that process because they cannot definitively say what her baby was lost to. And again, if you're prosecuting her and there is a lot of gray area, this is why people were 
charged for falling down the stairs or having at-home births. Like, just because you don't believe in at-home births, that's not your choice. Exactly. I'm sorry. Like, it, it just blows my mind that they were like, well, if you didn't want to go to jail, you should have had an abortion. Yeah. I can't. I can't. Well, and it's like the whole, like, dilemma and controversy of, like, at what point does a fetus or an embryo have more rights than the adult woman? Yeah. You know? It's crazy. It's a lot of gray area and a lot of confusion that has really just ultimately gotten even more confusing. Yeah. And with that, I still have a hard time processing this, even after nights of trying to wrap my head around what happened to Brittany and Chelsea and Adora. I don't know how you could look at these and see that it makes sense and that it doesn't contradict itself. It scares me even more to know that these have happened recently and will continue if no one pays attention and says, hey, this doesn't look right, y'all. We should probably go about correcting it. And with the recent results of Roe versus Wade, this has just become even more confusing and unclear. Okay, one more to tell you, Brenna. Are you ready? No, I'm not. <laughs> but I'm really well, I not. saved this one for last because this one like really shook me. Ugh. Like it stuck with me for a really long time. I think the first time I heard about this case was right before we started this podcast, and I've been thinking about it ever since. And I've been trying to figure out a way to sneak her case in, and this was just perfect. It everything lined up but i will say it's really hard to understand and get through so hang in there girl you got this (laughs) okay in december of 2018 five-month pregnant marche jones was in a altercation with another woman when she was shot in the stomach marche was rushed to the hospital where she had ended up losing her unborn baby after recovering from her injuries marche was charged with felony manslaughter and the grand jury decided to pursue charges due to the fact that they felt she, quote, intentionally caused the death of another person to wit, unborn baby Jones by initiating a fight knowing she was five months pregnant, end quote. Now, what happened to the woman who shot her, you ask? Not a thing. (laughs) It was stated that her actions were means of self-defense. Oh, my God. So once again, I'm going to ask you to explain this to me because I'm really having a hard time to understand it. But how can you charge a woman for the death of her unborn baby, but there were no charges against her for the fight itself, for which the other woman that was in the altercation was clear due to the fact that it was self-defense? Well, that and, like, I'm not sure how... It doesn't sound like she was armed, correct? So it was probably, like, a physical altercation. But the other woman that had a gun felt that she would die if she didn't disarm a firearm. Yeah, so but how... But she was unarmed. Yeah, so how can you... How can you be in fear for your life if you have the gun? Exactly. How can that be self-defense if Marche was not charged, one, with assault to yeah. begin with, but Marche is responsible for the shot that killed her baby? I can't. I will note, Marche did not have any weapons I believe she was physically, they were physically fighting each other. 
there was a gun involved. The stories get really messy with how it was shot. There was a story did a deflection shot of like a warning shot and it ricocheted back. Mm. But there's another story of that she shot her literally straight in the belly. I was, that was my next question is like, you can shoot somebody anywhere else. Ex- yeah. Right? Like, but if it was a ricochet, <laughs> that would be interesting to like actually know what happened. But yeah. regardless, I mean, it doesn't change the fact that She's not responsible for getting shot. Absolutely not. That would be like saying, just because it's another crime, like if I go into a convenience store pregnant and I'm going to rob the place, the guy shoots me and dies. Oh, well, you shouldn't have robbed the place. Like, no. <laughs> That's an, <laughs> irrelevant. That's a separate crime. Yes, they have to do They're with each other. They're both crimes. But yeah, he, like, he killed my baby. Yes. Ugh, I know, I know. Yeah, it's... It's crazy. I wanted to share a quote that I found that really painted this picture very clearly for me. Amanda Reyes, executive director of the Yellow Hammer Fund, an organization that provides funds to women seeking abortion in Alabama, was quoted saying, quote, Today, Marche Jones is being charged for manslaughter for being pregnant and getting shot while engaging in an altercation with another person who had a gun. Tomorrow, it will be another black woman, maybe for having a drink while pregnant, And after that, another one for not obtaining adequate prenatal care. Indicting black women for losing their pregnancies after being the target of violence is a reproductive injustice, end quote. I do not think that I could paint that picture any more clearer than she did. Absolutely. And that was also my question was, what state was this in? And you said Alabama, and Mm -hmm. that makes so much more sense, unfortunately. Yeah. Marche's charges were ultimately dropped as her lawyer thought that these were, quote, completely unreasonable and unjust, end quote, and based on a, quote, novel legal theory not available or supported under Alabama law, end quote. But the fact that these even happened should shake anyone up. We need to be educated on what is happening around us and look at the real issues. When we do not address the real issues, people like Chelsea, Adora, Brittany, and Marche find themselves in these situations that they were manipulated from something that was originally built to protect them. Some are fortunate to have people fighting for them for what is right and get them out of these situations, but the point is they never should have been in these situations to begin with. Laws are just words, and when they are not used appropriately, it can be manipulated to what once brought safety now brings fear. So choose your words carefully when you talk about topics like abortion or other controversial issues. We tend to let our emotions lead instead of facts and knowledge because you don't know what could affect you tomorrow. I feel so bad for not only them, but I unfortunately can see this happening to more women, especially after the ruling. So I think we just all need to really stick together and fight for each other because these DAs are trying to ruin women's lives and it's, it cannot happen. We like, we have to fight for each other. And if you're ever in that situation, just know that like you can fight back. Yeah. And I think it, for me, with these style of cases and kind of what I wanted to talk about today was not only the fact that there is way more to this than pro-life versus pro-choice. Mm-hmm. It really starts breaking it down, women's own rights to their own bodies and how that can be manipulated to affect them on things that are uncontrollable. And then also other sub-settings within those, whether they're minorities, whether they don't have 
the picture-perfect background, how the media portrays them. All of these are facts that ultimately change their outcomes because of another thing that they cannot control on how they grew up, who they are, what their education level is, what their job is. And if you're not thinking about that from a holistic standpoint, then you're not doing anyone any justice. Agree. With that, we conclude today's episode. We'd love to hear your feedback. Leave us a comment or review. If you have a case suggestion, reach out through our website at lavagostories.com. You can also check out all the source materials for this episode while you're there. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Lagos Stories. We'll be back with a new episode in a couple of weeks. Until then, stay safe out there. It's a weird world. Thank you to Alexander Nakarada for allowing us to use his sound nightmare for our theme music.